Warning. This show may contain blunders, tangents, and inaccuracies. We try, but words are hard. Spoilers are inevitable. You've been warned. Lastly, the following is the opinion of two middle-aged media junkies. Try not to get butthurt if we say something you don't like. <clears throat> Viewer discretion is advised. Everybody, welcome to Sequel Centric. We take a look at follow-ups in the media, and we see how they stack up against their predecessors. I'm Duff, and he is the Mike to my Ken, Nate. How's it going, Duff? What's up, brother? Uh, today we are doing a great, great movie. It's actually one of the good ones when it comes to, uh, would you say, a sex entertainer movie? I don't know. Ah. Uh. I would say Magic Mike for women is the hangover for guys, I guess. It definitely beats Showgirls. I will give you that. <laughs> it beats Showgirls and Striptease hands down. Hands down. Yes. It's got a story. <laughs> Today we are talking about the 2015 follow-up to the 2012 classic. I don't know that we can call it a classic, but I'm, I just did, so deal with it. Magic Mike. XXL. Start the pilgrimage to Myrtle Beach for the convention. Oh, that's right. One last ride, baby. <laughs> How's that work without Dallas? Well, you see, we, uh, Tobias is going to MC. All right, all right, all right. How y'all ladies doing here tonight? So for those who haven't seen the franchise, what's Magic Mike about? Magic Mike is all about Mike Lane and how he's a construction worker by day, male entertainer by night, takes on a young protege by the name of Adam to show him the ways, and he wants to build up some capital to open up his own homemade, one-of-a-kind furniture business. And towards the end of the first movie, he bows out of the male entertainment game and goes all in with Mike Lane Furniture Concepts. He gets the girl, and he goes for his dream. And three years after the ending of the first movie, we again see Mike at the top of his game with his furniture business and all. And uh, then in come the Kings of Tampa. They're wanting to do one last hellabaloo, so off they go for one last blowout. Nice wording, blowout. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, the the kings of Tampa, as, as we know from the first movie, uh, moved the gig. Dallas moved to gig to Miami, and then we find out towards the beginning of this. Uh, <laughs> okay, if he's not dead, then where is he? Then? <laughs> he bailed on us. Man. He took the kid, started a new show overseas. Wow. Where? Dallas and the kid go to China to set up a new business over there. Lots of money. So uh, all the guys probably had the same realization that uh, Mike did. Hey, we're getting old. Uh, each of them have their own little interest they want to pursue, whether it's yogurt or painting or whatever. But they decided to go to the convention for one last, as you said, blowout. <laughs> It's all about the Washingtons, baby, and then and and then bow out and go out and do something else, which 
this is a great movie. It's a kind of a road trip movie. And it really reminds me of uh, Chef, the John Favreau film. Martin's putting cornstarch on his balls. You putting cornstarch on your balls? Yes, sir. Let me get some. You want some? Because they were in a food truck? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, am I that shallow? <laughs> I think the back and forth uh, relationships that uh, you see on film are very reminiscent to the uh, the, the Chef movie, yeah. Uh, uh, one of my favorite modern-day films, so that's not a diss by any stretch. This <laughs> is like when Justin came back to Backstreet. Are you kidding me? Justin was in sync. Kevin Richardson came back to Backstreet in 2012. Get your Orlando history straight. Backstreet was the only legitimate boy band that ever came out of Florida, period. And that conversation just happened. When I heard about uh, Magic Mike XXL, I thought the first movie was pretty self-contained, and sometimes when the first movie is self-contained, they want to do a sequel for obvious reasons, more money from the studio firm. It can be hit or miss, and... Um, after watching it, I watched both movies back to back. And oh wow! So wait, so I guess let me back up. What is your history with the franchise? Uh, I've I've been aware of Magic Mike's franchise since 2012, but it wasn't until we decided to put it on the docket, you know, for February. Oh yeah, Happy Valentine's Day, gals. <laughs> yeah, this is basically a movie my wife did not want to watch with me. Because you got all the abs, you got all the pecs. And, so she you know, wanted to watch it alone. Is that exactly. what you're saying? I don't blame her. After watching it, I don't blame her. We've been down that road before. <laughs> but that's all. Keep me coming back for more. Baby, you're all that I want. When you're lying here in my arms. Finding it hard to believe. Dude, Matt Bomer. Holy hell, that man is hot. Yeah. Yeah, even uh, they acted to play Tarzan. I think he's a former wrestler. Yeah, Kevin Nash was with WWE. Oh, a lot of great guys. They all have the physique. They all have their own personalities and their hopes and their dreams and stuff and um it was kind of mentioned you know that when mike bowed out it really kind of left a hole in the group because he was kind of the anchor i yeah. think that you know that was holding everybody together dallas was just the owner and he was a good guy but um d-bag investor offered dallas a whole bunch don't of say his name man don't give it that power i could say his name he's not f***ing Voldemort. Everybody confided in Mike, and Mike was the guy. Yeah, well, he was the entrepreneur of the group. He, I mean, even in the first movie, you saw him doing all the books. Yep. He was their accountant. What's your history with the franchise? I saw the original when it hit the stores, and it was one of those... Well, it's not my type, cup of tea, but hey, might as well. Uh, I mean, come on. It's Channing Tatum. It's Matt Bomer. It's Joe Manganiello. It, it, it like it's, there are a bunch of hot guys. So, uh, but they're also great actors in my book. 
So when XXL came out, I did want to see it. I didn't actually see the whole thing until this this go around with uh, for the podcast. I uh, I did, however, see the first eh, about half hour because we were a little early for our movie. Took the kids, wife, and we all decided, well, let's just. I don't want to wait around. Let's sneak into another theater until our movie starts. And so we did get to see the first half hour of it. And nice. uh, man, that was interesting for uh, a bunch of preteens to, to see. <laughs> One of my pros is all the actors are back, which is always make for me. It makes the sequel. Well, not all of them. I would have loved it if Kid in Dallas came back. So there is that. Uh, as well as the writer, Reed Carolyn. Uh, so when I saw that in the credits, it, it felt solid to me. A, a very solid follow-up to the first movie. Yeah. You got a, you got a pro? I'm going to default to my most important prerequisite. A sequel has got to get us up to speed. We don't want to have to watch the first one. We want a quick recap, but not a slow recap it's very important so uh the fact that they get you caught up real nice and quick i like it so it's definite pro not only that but they explained what happened to the dallas the kid and brooke and why they yeah. didn't appear all right I, I it was all perfectly set up i had the house i had the dog i had downtown abbey on the weekends i even did the proposal on the beach with bacon and mimosas and pancakes and all that and for whatever reason that i'll probably never understand she wanted something else. So I came on this trip with you to just try to get on with it. Another pro. Got all the pecs, all the abs, and all the and all the dance moves. Like the first one. And for our Valentine ladies out there. That's a good thing. And, you know, for our, our men who like pecs as well, no judgment. I like a good peck after all. And speaking of pecs, the dance sequence, uh, the, the dance and song sequence, when Mike was in his shop working, I really love how organic it felt. Because most of the time, when you break out into a dance in a movie, it's a musical, or it's some kind of musical fashion. And it takes you out of the scene, and you're kind of doing a number. Whereas this was kind of like, hey, I still got it. Let me see if I can make a number up on the spot. And right there on his shop, with his grinder, with his tools, he just jumps all into it. And I loved it. Yeah, you're right. A lot of times in other movies or musicals or whatever, it doesn't feel organic. And because of the first movie and the song that's played on the radio in XXL was his yeah. dance number. And he realized that, you know, even though it's been three years since he'd been on the stage, he still had it. What about you anymore? Oh, yes. One of the things I find very interesting was they made a reference, a Star Wars reference, a Harry Potter reference. <laughs> and then they even, uh, towards the convention stripper, con they had Neo. Yeah. Which, and these three franchises, those three characters are known as the chosen one. So are we saying that Mike Lane is the chosen is one the chosen in XXL? One? Well, he is magic after all. Okay, you got me there. <laughs> <laughs> 
there were a lot of pop culture references weaved throughout the movie, uh, and it definitely did not fall upon deaf ears with me. Who's killing it out there? Vampire bullshit. Did you guys see this? Doing a f***ing Twilight routine, and they're mopping up. I talked about this one earlier, but it really reminded me of Chef in the way you've got, you know, a bunch of dudes going on a road trip and it, just a lot of off-the-wall scenarios. It was just really organic, and, and for me, as you know, that's pretty important. Yeah, they did such a great job on making a, a story that was believable and you got the same writer from the first one. So he already knows the universe. He already knows what went on the first one. So for me, it flowed so nicely. I love that they chose the Gentleman's Club in Savannah to shoot the Mad Mary's scene. Speaking of, they used so many local establishments throughout their road trip that were real places. Just change the names, but they were real spots. Well, I got a con. Uh-oh. The Zoe character. So yeah. underdeveloped next to the Brooke character. So I don't even know why she was there. Yeah. No, I, I, I kind of noticed that, too. Besides putting a smile on her face at the end with, you know, with Mike. So, but yeah, that's one of my cons. It's just... I thought they were going somewhere with it, right? In the beginning, yeah. when they're on the beach and everything. It was just there. Yeah, it just really didn't hold through like Brooke's character, exactly. When I first saw her, I, I started to like her like Brooke, right? But then, towards the end, because they didn't do anything with the character, I don't know if it was time restraints or whatever, it just, for me, by the end of the movie, it, she, could, she could have been a background character. Yeah. Uh, you got any cons? <sighs> Actually, no. And I tried real hard, but... But I'm trying, Ringo. I'm trying real hard. It's just one of those movies that pulls you right in. So, aside from the con that you had, there's really not much to be said. Unless you can think of anything else. Mm, I, for me, it dragged a little part in the middle. Felt like it slowed down a little bit. Besides that, I would say... Overall, this has got way more pros than cons in my book. The movie had a lot of great scenes, but on top of that, just the amount of star power on top of the star-studded cast. There were amazing small scenes. For example, who would have expected to see Michael Strahan knocking socks with a queen? Yeah, yeah, other big names that had a decent-sized cameo, like Janet Pakett-Smith playing a former love interest uh, named Rome. You had Elizabeth Banks uh, from so many great movies, uh, and, and she was playing, uh, and she seems to do this a lot. She did this on Pitch Perfect, where she played uh, the, the host. Yep, and um, Donald Glover as Andre. Yeah, Donald Glover is an amazing amazing creator he is a a fabulous actor but he's also childish gambino like he's a he's a legit musician 
And he was able to really shine in the film, singing, you know, dancing. He really is just, oh, I love Donald Glover. I also love Andy McDowell, and uh, she she was in there as well. Stand up. <laughs> oh, my God. Just look at you. You are just perfect. Damn. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I've, she's been in a lot of movies like Bad Girls. And Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. Yeah, she, every time I see her on the screen, uh, it brings a smile to my face. Yeah, I've had a I've had a little crush on her since I was a kid. Was she the glass slipper? Yes, man. That yes. beautiful nice lady was a glass slipper. All of it. Every inch. Wow. Hi, Andy, in case you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say she's still looking great, by the way. I did like the the few moments that uh, Mike and Zoe had, because it reminded me of the moments in the first movie with Mike and Brooke. But once again, they did nothing with the Zoe character. What can I say? I like cake. Yeah, I really wanted to see more. I mean, there was a lot of potential. Whereas if they were going to do a triple XL. I say stop at two. Um, I was kind of worried when they did this one, but after watching it, it uh, put my worries to rest. Yeah, I, I really don't think there needs to be a third one either. Just like you, I'm, I'm happy. I think it's sequel. Like Wayne and Garth, there only needs to be two. Now see, if they did a third Wayne's World, I would definitely be up for seeing that. So I eh, I guess we'll have to disagree on that one. Well, I think it's possible. It did take many years for a third Bill and Ted movie to come around, so that could be it could be possible for Wayne's World 3. Could be. Party and time. Speaking of Bill and Ted face the music, that's another episode. Let me just piggyback off of what you said, Duff. Uh, the movie sequels for me as well. There's so many pros, very little cons. So, Duff, how would you rank this movie? Let me answer this question first with another question. How much for the Cheetos and water? Uh, could have been free for all I, all we know. Yeah. They didn't film the transaction, but <laughs> he might have gotten the Cheetos in the water for free. <laughs> but for real, uh, I say bye. It's, it's a great movie. It's hilarious. There's a lot of great talent in it. It's, it, it's a little, yeah. It's a little risque, but uh, so not for everyone, but for our demographic, I'm I'm going to say bye. I would agree with you as well, Duff. Uh, it's a definite bye in my book. It's a great follow up to the first movie uh, it, 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 and it would rock on a Friday, Saturday night as a double feature for anybody that likes half naked guys dancing around and doing all this. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, buy it. Another one is in the can, Nate. Uh, we like to end the show here with a couple of fun facts. Nate, you got any of them for us? Yeah, I got a couple. Uh, one, uh, this is the first movie Steve, uh, Steven Soderbergh has ever 
been the a cinematographer of the film that he didn't direct. So that's a little interesting tidbit. Really? Another good one. Originally, Jamie Foxx was supposed to be the, have the role of Rome, but uh, went to Jana Pickett Smith at the request of Tatum, uh, I guess, in the final hours of filming it. Interesting. Okay. Well, I've got one. Uh, we talked about it earlier, but M Matthew McConaughey was not in this film. And uh, ironically enough, his character uh, named Dallas uh, did not appear because uh, his fee was too much because he had just won an Academy Award from Dallas Buyers Club. Wow. Yeah, I think once an actor gets in a, you know, an Academy Award, they can hike up their price yeah but the way they wrote him out of the it was movie ingenious it was, was yeah, truly yeah. Ingenious. So it, it worked yeah it, uh, another substitution was uh marco robbie was going to be playing the role of zelly but uh, had conflicts due to focus being produced um so amber heard was later cast that would have been interesting to see her but once again she might have dodged a bullet since like we said there wasn't much to her. The Zoe character is very likable, but they did absolutely nothing. There were a lot of great pop culture callbacks in this film. I do agree. One of the best for me would uh, definitely have to be the vampire bullshit callback, which is, of course, a reference to True Blood, which is uh, how Joe really made his start in the industry. Isn't really a tidbit so much as an announcement, but I've been dealing with some back issues uh, and neck issues. It's all the spine, whatever. Uh, I'm probably going to have to have surgery here coming up soon. So we're crunching in, uh, getting as many pre-recorded before I go out, if that is to be the case. And uh, we'll go ahead and uh, get those out as I'm recovering. And as for tidbits, that's all I got. Duff, you want to roll us out? Yeah, I think we're out of here for tonight. Uh, you can catch us on Facebook and Instagram. And we ain't touching Twitter. No way. Or send us an email. Show at SequelCentric.com. I'm Duff. I'm Nathan. And until next time, ask yourself this question. Does, Does it sequel? Be sure to subscribe to our podcast for the latest episodes. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at SequelCentric for the latest updates. And consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Want more? There's lots of exclusive content on our Centrics page at patreon.com forward slash SequelCentric. SequelCentric is hosted by Nathan Blake and Patrick Duffy. SequelCentric is produced by Patrick Duffy. 